Guys, gals. Welcome again to the Vineyard. Thank you for choosing to be with us today and worshiping with us. And those of you online, we welcome you and and uh, we're just honored to have you a part of us. And I look forward to singing that new song on Easter. That's going to be uh, it's going to be fun. And you know, we had some uh, a challenge given here. You can turn me down some. Had a challenge given here uh, last uh, couple weeks ago. Someone said I'll I'll, I'll match up to ten thousand dollars that we raise for Ukraine and the vineyards there. There are three vineyards, and we're going to go through Convoy of Hope. And so we raised uh, nine thousand eight hundred and some dollars. So it's matched nine thousand eight hundred. If you do the math, that's really close to $20,000. And so we sent that off this week to Convoy of Hope. And so what I just thank you for your generosity and uh, being part of that. You know, it's, it, at least we did something. You know, you can't do everything, but you could do something. And so we wanted to be on on record that we did something. And obviously, we're praying and uh, for God to have uh, His way. You know, we're we're kind of marching towards Easter as we follow Joshua through the book of Joshua, and it's just great the imagery. I, 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 we never planned it this way, but it's working out to where we're going to be on Palm Sunday in two weeks, we're going to be walking around the walls of Jericho with Joshua, and, and, and the city of Jericho was called the city of Palms, and it'll be Palm Sunday, we're having baptisms the week before Easter, if you haven't signed up, you can put it on your card, let's connect, put it in an offering box in the back on your way out, and just say baptism, we'll get a hold of you, we'd love to have you be a part of it, uh, but Joshua was an Old Testament example of Jesus in the New Testament, and the city of Jericho and the old is a symbolic picture. It was a fortress of darkness. It's a symbolic picture of fortresses in the New Testament, uh, uh, that spiritual fortresses, demonic strongholds, the places that we just read about that Jesus comes to disarm and to attack and to overthrow and to plunder the house of darkness. And that's what the gospel did. That's what happened to me at 18. Jesus came into my Jericho. He shook the walls down, captured me, and set me free out of the house of bondage of darkness and lies. And that's what we're going to see in the New Testament this morning. So we're going to be in the New Testament, but we're connecting it to the same march because we're going to see Jesus marching into Jericho. And I love, it just captured me uh, the other day when I read this, as we've been going through Joshua, but we're going to be in chapter 18 and 19. We're going to contrast a, a, a poor beggar, blind man, and a wealthy, rich, spiritually blind man, Bartimaeus and Zacchaeus. We're going to contrast. It's a, a beautiful parallel, two bookends, one at one extreme, one at the other. Both of them get touched and set free by Jesus. So in the gospel of Luke chapter 18, verse 35, as Jesus approached Jericho, now just, he's only mentioned twice in the New Testament. Now this 
here and the next. And he's on his way. He's crossed Jordan again where he got baptized. He's on his way to Jerusalem to be crucified. But on his way, he had to go through Jericho. He didn't have to, but he had to. He, he could have avoided it, but God had a plan. God had a mission. God had a purpose to lead him through. So he's on a mission. And, you know, let me just jump ahead and, and give you a spoiler alert. Uh, the last verse we'll look at this morning in, in chapter 19, verse 10. It, it, this summarizes the entire mission of Jesus. I love this. A simple summary of a purpose of Jesus. And as a church, if we ever lose this simple target, this simple priority, this simple marching orders, then it doesn't matter what we do in niceness, doesn't matter what we do in, even in compassion, if we miss this. And many churches today are missing this as the priority. Doesn't matter all the good teaching and the kind deeds and the, the good ministries. If you miss this, this is the purpose of the local church to carry out the purpose that Jesus came. Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. And I can say thank you. Can you? Come on. If he, did, if he found you and you were lost, which we all were, you could say, thank you. That, I'm glad he had that mission or I wouldn't be here. But he hadn't given up on that mission. And he's still working. And that's where we're pushing towards Easter, inviting people, investing, encouraging. It's one of those times of year like Christmas that people are, tend to come to church that don't normally come to church. And, and same for those that are getting baptized to invite your friends to come watch you. We're straight up, if you go through a new members course, UIO, we'll do another one in May, and you'll learn that the, the, the heartbeat of this church is to be outwardly focused. We worship. We're worshipers. We look up. We have an upward vo focus. We grow in the Word of God, and we build relationships in small groups, community, and serving, but we have an outward focus to our church, and, it, it, and it's the number one thing that dies the quickest in church life. Because Christians come in, find Jesus, get excited, then they make church about them. What's good for them? What they would like? What we have a, a, a vision and a passion here is we want to honor God and we want to welcome our guest. We want to honor Jesus. We don't, we don't water down our message to try to make people feel a little more comfortable, but we do everything we can to greet, to welcome, to give a hot meal, a warm cup of coffee, a kind hello, a welcome to the children, care for them. But our straight up agenda is for every guest that comes to be touched by the love of Jesus in a life-changing way. Amen? I mean, because without that, what do we have? It's like the young man that, that his, his mama died and he thought he'd step up and he was the, the oldest relative, teenager. And he met with me to plan the memorial. And he said, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't want any Bible reading in my mom's memorial. And I don't want any singing. And I said, well, on the singing, you don't have to worry about that because I don't sing. But if you take the Bible from me, I have nothing else. I have no, I have no message. I have no compelling hope. I have no truth to give. I, I, you, you, and I, I said, without the Word of God, we have no 
hope. And so this story is going to illustrate on the two extremes of life. There's so many commonalities between these two men. They're, 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 you'll see it as we go through the story. So Jesus approaches Jericho. Think of Joshua when we get to Palm Sunday, marching around the walls. He's approaching because he's on a mission, just like Joshua, to rescue Rahab. He's on a mission to rescue Bartimaeus and to rescue Zacchaeus. So let's pick up the story, 1835. As Jesus approached Jerusalem, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. Because they had no social uh, systems of support. They had no, the only, if you had a disability and you couldn't work, all you could do is beg. And, and the best somebody could do for you is take you somewhere where a lot of people walk by, usually the city gates, and you beg for, and you lived off the kindness of others. And this is a broken, poor man, blind, and he's desperate, and he just goes every day to just beg. And verse 36, when he heard the crowd going by, he asked, what's happening? You know, obviously he can't see. He has to be told. He hears the, the noise, the commotion. There's a crowd coming. Verse 37, they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Now, see, this is why I'd love you to bring your Bible, because it'll be a great place to underline the word passing by. It's just such a profound concept that Jesus, when you think of Jesus, the savior of the world, he's not just a dignitary. He's not just a rabbi. He's not just a kind person. He's life itself. When he walks by death, the dry bones rattle. When he walks by darkness, darkness trembles. When he walks by sickness, sickness leaves. When he walks by despair, hope fills the room. You ever been, you ever had some Someone that's bigger than life as a friend that when they walked in the room it just filled the room with joy and filled we've had a couple friends like that they just they just they they don't have to, they just walk into a room and you and it's filled with it there's a a lightness uh, uh, as opposed to some people who can walk in the room and just bring heaviness to it it's like <laughs> you're about three minutes later you're like i gotta go take a nap they've exhausted me I know that's nobody here, but just in case you meet somebody like that. So the, 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 the presence of the room, the presence of the city, when Jesus walks in, he's passing. So there's this sense of an opportunity. Don't miss it. He's coming by, and it says the blind man senses that Jesus is passing by. They tell him, he cries out, Jesus! Son of David, have mercy on me. Now you got to think of what that took to do that. He, he's totally not worrying about what other people think. He has no other means to get help. He can't go find Jesus. He, all he can do is cry out for mercy. And the people, hard-hearted that we all can be, they don't want to bother Jesus. I don't know if the disciples are in this crowd or not, religious leaders. I don't know, but they're, they're, they're just stupid. And I can't call it anything else. And sometimes people are just stupid. And you can't, you know, you can't cure stupid. Uh, you got to uh, educate it. You got you to gotta get over it. And, and this is just stupid because they say, shh, Look at, look what they say. They, verse 39, those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. Now think about that. What's he asking for? What they're not. He's asking for mercy. 
You know, there's one thing I guarantee you. I guarantee you, according to the Bible, that God will answer. There's a prayer that I guarantee you he'll answer. And it's the prayer for mercy. Now, you can't demand it. Nowhere in the Bible is mercy demanded. Mercy demanded is no longer mercy. Mercy, the characteristic of mercy is you being, giving, being given something that you totally don't deserve. It's mercy that forgives us. Mercy that's patient with us. Mercy that helps us the fifth time we've done something stupid. It's mercy. And when, when, when one weak sinner goes, oh God, help me have mercy. The father goes, shh. He shushes the angels. He shushes the prayer. Shh. And they get silence in heaven. What, what, what? Listen. Have mercy. Jesus, have mercy. That moves God more than any religious activity that ever could happen on the planet. Just a simple, humble cry for mercy. And if you don't think Jesus heard him, he... He heard him from the first whisper. He heard him before he whispered. He knew because he was coming for him. <clears throat> he sh I love this guy. He's got a healthy rebellion. There's bad rebellion and then there's good rebellion. This is good rebellion. Uh, you you got to rebel against the system. If you fall into the system and you fall into the great harlot, you know, you, you just got to stand up to the system sometimes and turn it off. Stand up to the voices and turn them off. You got to ignore. You got sometimes faith has to ignore the system, has to ignore friends, has to ignore darkness around you, has to ignore the news, has to ignore the wise pontificating experts on religion and faith that don't believe that God still raises the dead and they don't believe the dead bones rattle. They, you got to ignore those things. And this guy, they told him to be quiet and it says, but he shouted all the more. Come on. That's what I mean. You, you know, you can't, you can't shut me down. You can't shut me up. I'm not going to stop till Jesus hears me. Now, you know, you're praying when you come to this place. Now you don't have to holler to pray. You don't have to scream for God to hear you. He hears the whisper, but the, you do have to have that sincerity, that passion, that humility that I don't care what other people think. I can't tell you that's one of the enemy's greatest tricks. Keeps people from standing publicly saying, I say yes to Jesus as Lord. It keeps you from witnessing. It keeps you from telling your story, worrying about what somebody might think about you, what somebody might say about you, how somebody might judge you. You can't live by the opinions of people. So this blind man, you can't stop him. Now in verse 40, Jesus stops. Now just again, I underline that in my Bible. I love, he's going to Jericho, he's on a mission. He hears a cry for mercy. That's the idea here. He's not in a car, but if he was, it would be. Arr! I was teaching our granddaughter how to drive, and uh, my wife was in the back seat, and and I told her, I said, "You can't be afraid of the brakes, honey. If you're going to drive, you can't be afraid of the brakes. You got to know when to." So, well, Grandma's not paying attention in the back seat, and I said, "Now, when I tell you, I want you to hit the brake. We're on a side road. I want you to hit those brakes as hard as you possibly can." Grandma didn't hear that in the back seat. I assume grandma heard that. <laughs> grandma came from the back seat into the front, almost hit her head on the dash. 
it wasn't a good moment in driver's ed class. <laughs> I just don't know why it made me think about that. I just, Jesus. <laughs> and you can imagine the whole crowd just probably bumped into him. They're just, you know, the three stooges, the 12 stooges behind him or, you know what, we don't know what's going on. He heard the cry that stopped the universe. He heard the cry that said, mercy. He's got a lot. To, he's on his way. This is on his way to the last week of his life. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's on his way to be crucified. But he stops to respond to the cry of a beggar that's got nothing to offer God but his desperation, have mercy on me. Jesus says to him in verse 41, I'm sorry, verse 40, Jesus stopped, ordered the man, bring him to me. I mean, I just think that's, if, if I wanted to stop this morning, I could take this whole verse and talk about our mission to help bring people to Jesus. And, and, you know, part of bringing people to Jesus is inviting them to church. Now, if this was a boring church, a condemning church, a lifeless church, a church without hope, a church without a compelling message, a church that's racist, a church that's judgmental, a church that's condemning, a church that's bigoted, a church that's politically more focused in one direction than another, if this is a church, if that's the kind, then you don't want to bring, I, I wouldn't want to bring lost people to that kind of church. I don't want to bring someone to a church that's going to be, they're going to feel worse after they leave the church than they came when they got in it. When you bring someone to the vineyard, they're going to get loved on. They're not going to be judged. They're not going to be condemned. They're going to be welcomed. They're going to be served a hot breakfast. By the way, we don't do that hot breakfast for you regular people. We let you eat it, but we don't do it for you. You learn that in the new members class. It hurts some people's feelings. I said, don't do those biscuits and gravy for you. They actually do them for me because I love those biscuits and gravy. <laughs> but it's not even the pastor that they do the biscuits and gravy for. We do them for the guest. You can go to Starbucks. I don't care. Go to McDonald's. Get you a, a big whatever. But the reason we serve that is to share with someone that's a little anxious about coming to church. You know what a cup of coffee does and a warm breakfast, a good breakfast? It just disarms people and a warm welcome at the door. You can lose people at the doorway if you're not nice to people and not kind and loving on their children. Why do we do that? Because we want to bring people to Jesus. We don't have a hidden agenda. Why do we give out free hot dogs? You can see people come to Jesus. They come to Jesus through a free hot dog, absolutely. They're reminded that God loves them, no strings attached. We're not looking for anything out of you. So this blind man say, Jesus, bring him here. And Mark, who tells the same story, and that's where we learn his name's Bartimaeus. Mark says he throws off his robe, the beggar's coat, throws it off and rushes to Jesus. I don't know what they're helping him. He's running. They're, they're trying to run with him. There's, he's blind. He still can't see. And he gets to Jesus and Jesus says to him, I love this. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Now, really? I thought you were Jesus. It reminds me, Pastor Gary was doing an early morning prayer meeting with some pastors one time in Fort Myers, and this guy showed up dressed like Jesus, or whatever he thought Jesus would look like. And he knocks on the door, and it's like, you know, no one comes, I don't know how he knew y'all were praying there. And, and Gary opens the door and says, hey. He says, the guy said, the guy looks at him and says, hi, 
I'm Jesus. Who are you? And Gary looks at him and goes, well, if you're Jesus, you know who I am. And it was like he whack slapped the guy, you know, and he just walked away. True story. You probably sent him to go over here to Cape Coral and that they'll, they receive all the fake Jesuses over there in Cape Coral. Listen, this guy, this guy comes to Jesus and Jesus says, what do you want me to do? Now there's all kinds of different thoughts and theories of why Jesus would say that. And I, you know, you can come up with some of your own thoughts about it. I mean, obviously Pastor Kim said this morning, one thing is clear. Jesus wants us to be specific. You can say, just help me God. And that's important, but you can be, be specific in what you need God to do. Be specific when you need God to do it. Be specific. You don't have to tell God how to do it, but you do need to tell God what you want done. How is up to him? What is our cry? God, I need you to intervene and do this. And so be specific. You can't measure something that isn't specific to know God did something. So when you're praying, be specific. That's one aspect. I think another aspect is Jesus is kind of giving him a sober moment to say, do you really want to get better? Because what happens if his eyes get healed? You got to get a job. You got to go to work. Think about it. If you're on disability and God heals you, do you want to be healed and give up disability? You got to get a job. You got healed. Do you want to get better? No, I just want Jesus to help me feel better. I don't want to change my lifestyle. This guy had to radically change his whole lifestyle. He had lived his whole life. His identity was in being a beggar. His identity was in depending on others. Now he's got to stand on his own two feet. He's got to go get a job. He's got to go to work. You can't beg anymore, dude. The, 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 you, you, you can see. You can't hold up a sign. Help me. I'm blind. You can't hold that up anymore. You can see. So I don't know if that's what he did. I don't know. You can work that out in your own world. But Jesus said, what do you want me to do? He kind of threw the door open to the power of God for this guy. He kind of threw the keys to him and said, here, unlock the door. What do you want God to do for you? What would you ask him? He throws to you his name and authority and says, what, what, do, you, what do you want me to do for you? That's a test. That's an invitation. That's a responsibility. I want to ask for the right thing here. I want to make sure Jesus wants me to ask for my eyes to get healed. And he says, I, I want to see. I want to see. And Jesus said, verse 42, Jesus said to him, receive your sight, your faith. Now, this is more than just he's a, a needy guy. There, there, there's nothing spiritual about being poor, by the way. Uh, there's nothing that makes somebody a better person because they're poor. Now, they may have less temptations than the wealthy, and we'll talk about that. But I've, I've met some really bitter, angry, greedy, poor people. And they're jealous and, and, and just, they're, they're just plain mean. I've also met some extremely humble, gracious, and kind people that are poor. So it's, it's not about, it's the condition of the heart and how it responds to difficulties. But this guy, he gets healed. His eyes get open. And, and just the, the verbs that are used here, verse 43, he received his sight. Think of that as salvation. He, yes, he had physical healing, but more than that. For the first, what's the first thing he got to see? 
Think about this. Who was that? Fanny Crosby? Was, uh, was she the hymn writer that said the first thing she'll get to see? She was blind. I may have got that wrong. Did I get that wrong? I think Fanny Crosby. Anyway, nobody old hymn people back. Anyway, doesn't matter. It does matter. I'll get it right. And don't Google it. I'll take your phone. The first thing that this guy will ever see in his life is the face of Jesus. Think about that. The first thing his eyes see are the kindest eyes in the world, the universe, the eyes of God, the compassion. He sees the face of Jesus. And then it says, just again, this is summarizing. You could unpack each of these words. He received his sight. He follows Jesus. Did he go on to be one of the disciples? Probably. He's following Jesus and he's praising God. And then it says, and all the people saw it and they also praised God. They're not telling him to shut up anymore, are they? they they've started being loud. They're starting to praise God. I don't know if it was all of them or not. Now remember, there's no divisions in the Bible's chapter wise. They were added to help us in our, our teaching and to refer to different verses. So it goes right to the next story because he's just walking through Jericho. Chapter 19, verse 1, Jesus enters Jericho and he's passing through. There's our connection. He was passing by in Jericho and the blind man got healed. Now he's passing by. There's another man that needs healing in a different way. Verse 2, this man's name was Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Now you got to understand, tax collectors and the Jewish culture were worse than harlots. They were prostitutes in their own. They sold their souls to the Roman government to extract money, taxes, from the Jewish people. They had to get so much for the Romans, and then they could take more to pocket for themselves. And they weren't allowed to go to Jewish synagogues, the, the temple. They weren't allowed to go in the temple. They, they were forbidden. They, they were unclean, foul people. That nobody liked. But six or seven times in the New Testament, Jesus bumps into them and likes them. Now figure that out. These are, these are bad dudes. And Jesus says, I, I like this guy. And it blows the minds of the religious people that are so uptight, so self-righteous, and they think they're so much better than the beggar, or they're so much better than this Zacchaeus, the wealthy, greedy tax collector. Verse 3, he wants to see who Jesus was. Now why? I don't know. The Bible doesn't give us back stories, but your imagination can think what's going on in the loneliness of having everything and having nothing. What's going on in this guy's life? Where are the whispers of God in the night and the darkness of the moments of having no friends, really? He's probably burned every relationship, used up everybody that he's known. I don't know what's going on in Zacchaeus. Some people think he's the one in, uh, earlier in the chapter, chapter 18, uh, that he's the tax collector that goes and beats himself on the chest and puts his head down and asks God for mercy, that he's already been crying out. I, I don't know. Obviously, he wants to see Jesus. He's curious. You could mark it under that. And a lot of people start their faith journey with just being curious. I, I was desperate and curious. I, I knew I needed help in my life. And, and I'm reading these new age books and, and, and books about, you know, spiritual things that have nothing to do with Jesus. But they would mention Jesus. And it intrigued me. 
And, and I thought to myself, just came to me one time, you've looked everywhere else, why not look in the Bible? It's funny how that's the last place people look. They'll read this, you know, whatever, and this whatever, and they'll go to some palm reader and some Ouija board and some, you know, whatever, psychic and whatever, you know, new age, you know, they'll sit and chant some mantra and they'll blah, 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 blah. But the simple prayer of, oh, God, help me, that doesn't really, that seems kind of stupid and weak. Let me do something with crystals and let me do something with, you know, in the vortex of, of finding the place that I can best, you know, but, you know, Jesus is passing by and you're missing him because it's faith is, there's a simplicity to faith. He just wants to see Jesus. I don't know all the reasons, but it says, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. Now, just an interesting side note thought. I, I found this in a little obscure comment. Nobody probably believes this, but I never thought of it. If where you put the comma will determine who's the short person here. Is it Jesus or Zacchaeus? Do you ever think of short Jesus? Would you have a hard time loving him if it was short Jesus? Come on. Everybody sees Jesus as tall, white, He's not white. He was Asian. He was in that culture, in Hebrew, darker skin. Everybody sees Jesus, big, tall, standing out. All the rest of the disciples are a head shorter. Jesus stands tall in the crowd. What if he was little Jesus? It'd have nothing to do with minimizing him as a person. Height does not make a person, nor does it diminish a person. When I was raised, if you didn't get the six foot, you just weren't a man. I made it to 5'11 and a half and lied about it. And then ever since I made it almost there, I've been shrinking. I'm down at least an inch. I still tell people I'm 5'11 and a half, but I'm more like 5'10. I lost like an inch and gravity has just taken a toll on me. It's brutal. I have a little friend that, uh, I'm sure he'd appreciate me calling him a little friend. He was little in high school. He wrestled 96 pound uh, weight class. I was 160, 165. I was twice his weight. I I was a terrible wrestler, but he was really good. And, and, and I'm twice his size. Only thing I could beat him with, because in wrestling, you take turns wrestling. Everybody wrestles. The, you got to wrestle the biggest guy and the smallest guy. And it's just part of the workout. And, you know, you're going around, and so you got to face the giant, you know, that crushes you. And, and now I'm the giant crushing him. But I only crush him because I could throw my whole weight on him. And he couldn't, you know, trying to lift 160 pounds off of you, that's tough. But he almost beat me one day. I mean, I'm telling you, he's this high to me. He's a little Italian. He went off to Notre Dame and became a lawyer. And he's the one that God used for us to buy this building because he was smart and I wasn't. He said, Jamie, I'm the lawyer. You're not. Because I was trying to tell him you can't have a church in Lee County within a hundred feet of a bar. And we have bar, 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 and another bar. And this building was in foreclosure, and I wanted to bid on it, and I thought, I kept telling people, nah, we can't do it because of the 100, 300 foot, it's 300 foot rule. 
And what happened was there was a church in North Fort Myers that didn't want a bar slash strip club beside them. I don't blame them, but they got a city ordinance made so they can keep the evil away from the church. And it turned around in 20 years and kept the church away from good places of worship. You, many churches, they can't, in Fort Myers, you can't rent an old bowling alley if there's a bar next to it. It's a 300 foot. I don't know if it's ever been challenged and if it's still there. I don't know. Anyway, my friend said, Jamie, that rule doesn't exist in Cape Coral. That's a, that's a county rule or Fort Myers rule, city rule. And so I argued with him. He said, listen, listen, I'm the lawyer. You're the preacher. Stick with preaching because you don't know what you're talking about. And we bid on the building, and it's a great store, and we won. And, and, and he's just a, a Christ follower. You can't measure his, his power and authority in the kingdom of God based on his physical stature. Uh, he's way smarter than I am. Zacchaeus, was a, maybe it was Jesus, and he couldn't see him in the crowd because Jesus was little. Oh, well. One of them was little, and it didn't matter, but it had implications that he couldn't see. So Zacchaeus solves the problem. In verse 4, he runs ahead, climbs a sycamore fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, come on, come on. I mean, I love this story. I love this guy. He, you don't run if you're dignified. He's trying to get ahead of Jesus. He marked a spot, used strategy, climbed the tree, and there's just a little side wink from God. I don't think he climbed the tree for Jesus to see him. He's not like the blind man that said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He just wants to see Jesus. He doesn't want to be seen by Jesus. So he climbs up in the tree. Why? Because what are fig leaves known for in the Bible? Hide and bind. Adam and Eve tried it. didn't work well for them. It's not going to work well for Zacchaeus, and it's not going to work well for you, whatever you're using to try to hide from God with. Verse 5, when Jesus reaches the spot, I circle that in my Bible. So when you read the Bible and something, you stop there. What spot? It's like he's on a movie set. And they have the spot mark. The lighting is just right, right? Stop right there. Now look up. And you'd think this thing was scripted. Because it was. He's on a mission. God has shown him, go to Jericho. Pillage the city. Set the captives free. Just like Joshua's going to do when we march around it. And he stops in that spot. And he looks up. Now, some think he knew his name because people were making fun of Zacchaeus in the tree. That could be true, but it also could just be nobody saw him in the tree but Jesus, and, he's, and he knows. He's Jesus. He's, he knows his sheep by name, and he says, Zacchaeus, now everybody's looking. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for that. They all hate me. Now I'm up in a tree looking like an idiot. God will never embarrass you. People that say that are stupid. <laughs> but I say that, Pastor. Well, I'll leave it to you. Okay, you solve the problem. He will embarrass you. You, don't get, you can't come to the cross and get prayer for your pride to be healed. Have you ever... I've said to people, sometimes they said, that hurt my feelings. I said, well, did they need to be hurt? Sometimes your feelings need to be hurt. Sometimes your pride needs to be wounded. I don't like it, but God doesn't seem to mind. He's been on a mission of humbling me for years. 
And he, he, you can't say, God, have mercy on my pride. God, please don't embarrass me. What, what, what's the point of that prayer? Keep me from doing what I need to do because if I do it, somebody else might say something or think something or it may somehow look bad on me. There's people that won't come get prayer because somebody might think there's something wrong with me. That's like not going to the doctor when you're sick. Why aren't you going? I don't want anybody to know I'm sick. Where's the, where's the, there's a continuity today of, of a lack of wisdom here in these stories. And that this guy, he's got an option now. Hide behind the fig leaves that aren't working or do what Jesus says. And he says in verse 5, when he reaches the spot, he looks up and says, Zacchaeus, come down in a hurry. I love this. Why add that? Think about it. Jesus isn't in a hurry, but maybe he is. He's in a hurry for Zacchaeus to get to know him. Wow. What makes Jesus stop is a blind man crying for mercy. What makes Jesus get in a hurry is a rich man needing healing. Hurry up. I can't wait to meet you. Think about that. The Bible doesn't just throw that in there just to say, yeah, and, Je and Jesus said, come down from the tree and immediately I will stay in your house. I must, no, get to life here. Zacchaeus, come on down, buddy. Hurry up. I'm going to your house today. I must go. It's not, no, he invites himself over. I'm coming. Zacchaeus could have refused the self-invitation, but instead it says he welcomed him gladly. Come on. I mean, this you got to see Jesus has got a big smile on his face. He's having fun with this guy. Come on, buddy. Slide down that tree. You know the old adage is whatever this tree is, I forget, it's some kind of mulberry fig or something that it doesn't have any bark on it. And the, 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 the tradition is because he slid down it, none of the trees ever had any more bark. I, I don't know that that's true, but it's a great story, so don't mess it up with the facts. So just stay with a good story. So he slides down the tree, and you got to do the same. You either got to cry for mercy if you're in the low place, or if you've exalted yourself, you got to come down out of the tree. Either way, you're going to humble yourself and come to Jesus because there's no other way. If you're in the bottom, you say, help, Lord, I need mercy. And if you've been raised up in life and success and prosperity, you're coming down. You've got to learn to be poor. The poor man's got to learn to be rich. And the rich man's got to learn to be poor. They both end up in the same place, followers of Jesus. Nobody gets there any different than somebody else. It always takes faith, it takes humility, and there's a childlikeness to both of these stories. There's a joy, there's a simplicity, there's a, yeah! Now the people, again, like they told the blind man, shh! Now they are even worse. They tell this guy, verse 7, all the people saw this, began to mutter. I know that's a terrible word to use because nobody uses it in our language, but it mutters. He's, she's a mutter. He's a mutter. I just say it's an angry, judgmental complainer. That'd be none of us. No. 
No, we never do that. But you've heard of people that do that. I can't believe blah, 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 blah. They muttered, he's going to be the guest of a sinner, as though they weren't. This is the problem with spiritual blindness, is that spiritually blind people don't know they're blind. You know, it's easy to look at a blind person in the natural physical blindness, struggling. I see them sometimes walking the street without anybody helping them, and I admire just the ability to count their steps and know when to turn. And just There's a compassion you can feel towards physical blindness, but there's also a greater compassion that we need to feel for people that have spiritual blindness. And spiritual blind people act like spiritually blind people. And that's what makes us upset. Because they're not acting like a Christian. And you know why? Because they're not. They're lost. And Jesus came to seek and save. That means they're important to him. And he says, come on, Jesus. You're eating at my house tonight. Now, I don't know who lives at his house. Girlfriend? Third wife? Three wives? I don't know. It doesn't tell us. 19 kids? No kids. Bunch of servants? He's driven everybody else away. I don't know. But whoever's there is about to get Jesus. Jesus is coming to dinner. In fact, he's spending the night. Whose bed did he sleep in? Do you ever think about these things? How would you like Jesus for the night? He didn't just dip in. He's coming. I'm going to stay. And he brings an entourage with him. You know everywhere he goes. He's got his posse. They're piling in. This is a wealthy dude. He can handle it. Can you imagine the conversations around dinner? Oh, wow. But you know what? When you give your heart to Jesus, he goes home with you. He doesn't live here in this building. I know you know that, but oftentimes we don't act like that. This ain't his house. Now, it is his house when we gather, but we're his house. And when he comes into my heart, can you imagine Zacchaeus, Jesus kind of just checking the house out? Yeah, what's in the closet here? Oh, Jesus, we're not going in there. Let's see the laptop here. Let's see history. Let's see. Let's go through history on the laptop. How about that cell phone, Zach? How you doing on that, baby? Let's check it out. No, Jesus, you know, you got to go. No, let's just, oh, whoa, buddy. I'm coming for all of you. I'm not coming for part of you. I'm not coming for, to be joined up with other idols. I want all of you. I'm coming. When he says I'm coming to your house, it's because he's coming his heart. It's because he's taken over his life. And now you see Zacchaeus responds, no push, no force, no purchase. This is gratitude. He says in verse eight, Zacchaeus stands up and he says, Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay it back four times the amount. And verse 9, Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save what's lost. He's not buying Jesus's love He's responding. Had someone last week stood and said yes to Jesus as Lord, and I was just celebrating with them afterwards, and they looked at me and they said, I guess this means I need to get baptized. 
Makes my job a lot easier. But someone that's ignored that when Jesus passed by, it makes it harder the next time and the next time and years go by. And that's what happens when you miss those opportunities, when, he's, when, when God's stirring you. He's passing by in worship and gives you a fresh stirring. And if you don't respond to that, I'm not going to say he won't come by again, but don't miss those opportunities when you're worshiping or you're taking communion or you're hearing the word of God or you're just alone with God and you're looking at the stars and you have those moments that Jesus is passing by. Cry out for mercy. Say, Jesus, come to my home. Those are moments of opportunities. I'm not going to say you won't get another one, but there's no, there's no promise that when he knocks, he's going to knock again. And so take advantage of the opportunities. God doesn't nag us. He's not a nagger. He tells women, don't nag your husbands. He tells men, don't nag your... He's not... A, why? Because God doesn't nag us. Parents don't nag your children. That's not parenting. You do something when you tell them you're going to do something. You don't threaten children. You respond to children. You set guidelines and you stick to them. You hold accountability. And, and you, 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 or your word means nothing to your children. If you tell them you're going to do something, you do it or repent to them that you didn't do it. You probably, God's not a God that says, stop it, stop, 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 stop. I'm telling you, stop it, stop it, stop it. If you don't stop it, if you don't stop it right now, stop it. If you don't stop, I'm going to get up. If you don't stop it, I'll get up for you by then if I'm with you, with your child, and you're doing that. And I'll get up and spank you <laughs> for being a bad parent. Don't nag your children. You say, I'm, you know, give, do whatever guidelines you have, but you have to know that when you say something, your kids believe you and that you don't just give vain threats or vain promises. Or, so Jesus comes into his house. This guy's not told to give his money away. He wants to give it away. See, Jesus took his wallet and his heart. Some of us come to Jesus with one hand, but we keep our wallet. I've got the world's smallest wallet. We keep our wallet in our other hand. I give my heart to Jesus. How about your wallet? Well, he doesn't need my money. No, but you need to learn to give it. Some of you hadn't learned that yet. You've let Jesus in the house, but he hadn't come to the checkbook. He hadn't come to your bank account yet. You've locked that door. And until you unlock every door, whether it's the computer the TV, or the checkbook. Mi casa, tu casa. My house is your house. Zechariah says, I've been using my money for dark purposes. I commit to use my money for kingdom purposes. Beggar quit begging. Threw away his beggar's coat, Mark says. Went and got a job. Life changes when Jesus comes in. He deals with your sexual life. Say, well, no, no, I just want Jesus to come in and, you know, I feel safe with him around. And he's going to talk to you about your sexual life. He has an opinion about it. He has commands about it. It's not a, it's not a negotiation. It's not a, well, I feel, don't care what you feel. There's right and there's wrong. 
Jesus, come in your financial life. Some of you haven't let God come in yet. Why? If you can't trust him in finances, you're going to, and listen to me, I don't say this out of fear, no manipulation, and I pray that it's years away. But at some point, America's going to go through its own humbling. It's going to come. It's, it, it, it's, it's, it's unsustainable, the debt that we're in as a country. It's unsustainable. And no party wants to do anything about it. Republicans are doing they'll, they'll gripe and complain, arr, 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 and then add to the debt. You can't run your house that way, and you can't run a country that way. And all I'm saying is, is that when you learn to trust God with your finances... You learn to honor God. It doesn't make it easy, but it makes your face stronger to face other trials because you learn to trust him in a very practical area that living on 90% of your money because you gave God 10% goes further than if you try to live on all of it without yielding it to God. God's blessing makes a difference in every area of your life. That's why Zacchaeus, he was happy to give money away because it's no longer his God. It's no longer going to rule him. Today, Jesus said, salvation's come. Now just remember, these two stories illustrate how the kingdom works. And it never changes. No matter how much you grow in Jesus, I'm always in a place that I want to pay attention to Jesus passing by. I know he's in my life. But when he's passing by doing something, I want to get in on it. I don't want to miss what he's doing. These principles hold true that I can be blinded by my own ambition, my own pride, my own sin. And I need Jesus to open my eyes. The same thing as I grow in Jesus that I, I've got to yield more and more and more and more and more and more of me to him. He's possessing me as his possession so that we can possess the promises that he's given us to possess. He wants all of us. So don't hold back. Maybe today you start a pile of stones in another area of surrender in your life. Maybe your surrender's writing a check on your way out. I'm going to tithe for the first time and see if my head falls off. If it falls off, we'll take you to the cross, we'll pray for you, and God will bring it back. Martha, Martha, my heart fell off. What happened? I wrote a check and I put it in my arm. Get my arm, Martha. Come on, get me to the cross. My arm fell off. I knew I should have never wrote that check. I'm telling you, I know we laugh about it, but people act like, you know, whatever. Anyway, get up, don't go down that road any further, Jamie. Jesus came to Jericho. Blind man was pretty happy. Wealthy man was pretty happy. Beggar went home seeing. A wealthy man went home seeing. They both got their eyes open. They both got what true riches are, is being loved by God. Isn't that good? Isn't it good that he knows where you are and comes to find you? Aren't you glad you got a, a Jesus that stopped? When someone says, help, aren't you glad? I'm in a hurry right now, don't bother me. Can you imagine if that was Jesus? I waited 10 minutes the other day on the line to get a doctor's office to get me a report on a doctor's thing. And it went to somebody that barely I could understand because it, they didn't answer in the office. And I'm like, I waited 10 minutes for you to tell me that they're not going to answer and you're going to tell me they're going to call me back? 
I'm like, is this COVID related? Because that's what all the t- recordings say. Due to COVID, there's a larger weight for your car insurance. I was like, what has that got to do with car insurance? Aren't you glad God doesn't say, because of COVID, there's a delay in prayer being answered. We'll get to you in the order that you were received. I'd, I'd flip. I mean, I, I it just, oh my God. Have you, honest, let's tell the truth here. Just a fun moment. Who's ever hollered at a computer voice on the phone? Come on. The rest of you are liars. Let's do it one more time. Who's hollered at a computer voice on the phone? That's most of us, what I thought. I didn't really raise my hand. I was just doing, no. I've scre- you know you are in a bad place when you're screaming at a computer. Calling it, listen, you idiot. My wife gets mad when I holler at her handsome Australian Siri voice guy. And she asks him something, Siri, should I? Oh, hi there, Kim. And how are you doing today? And she's got this programmed, you know, stud looking, sounding, you know, Australian. And then he says something stupid like, you know, you're going to go to Matlachi today. No, it's Matlache, you moron. She's like, stop it, honey. He can hear you. I said, I'm glad he can hear me because you're a moron. It's not Matlachi, it's Matlache. That's true, truth be told. Yeah. All right, on that note, we're going to spike the ball. Drop the mic. You're in trouble now. Let's back it up. All right. So we can have fun. Jesus has fun. He had fun with it. He couldn't wait to see Zachariah, Zacchaeus. He couldn't wait. Can you ever feel that about him with you? Instead of, he's mad, you better get in there. I called a pastor friend. I hadn't talked to him quite a while this week. I called a bunch of pastors. And he said, uh-oh, what's going on? feel like the principal's calling me. I didn't want to even get into that. What did that mean? You think of me as a principal calling him. I just was checking on him, seeing how he's doing. Some of you feel like that about God. You see Jesus going, hey, come on. Get down that tree. Let's go. I'm coming to your house. We're going to. Have fun. You feel that? That kind of love, call your name and want to be with you? He sure does. Let's pray together. Can have the worship team come on back up? Just take a moment and is Jesus passing by right now, whispering to you, got your attention? Then pay attention. Don't miss the moment. If you're in a place that need mercy, then just ask for mercy. He'll stop and give it to you. If you're in a place that you need your eyes open and you've been deceived and just, just ask him to receive your sight, be, be clear with him. If you're in a place you need forgiveness and ask him. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, then come down out of that tree. You can't hide from him. You've got to come to him when he calls. Say, Jesus, come on into my house. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Just invite him right now. Come, Jesus. You're passing by. You're walking into our spiritual Jerichos. You're rattling the walls. Because you want to set us free, Lord. Thank you for being the God that 
rescues, plunders Jericho. You, you went into that town, it would never be the same. Families touched and saved and new life and people praising you. Lord, when you walk into something, you never leave it the same. Thank you, Lord, that when you come into our lives, that you never leave us the same. You keep working on making us all you've called us to be. Thank you, Lord. If you're here, just whisper that prayer. Say, Jesus, come be Lord of my life. Just invite. If you're watching online, you've never closed the deal with the Lord. You've never surrendered and said, Jesus, take all of me like Zacchaeus did. Come into my house. Come into my heart. Take all of me. Come, Jesus. Come, Jesus. Lord, bless this time of worship and commitment. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand up together. Honey, come on up. If you prayed that prayer with me online, text in the words I say yes to Jesus as my Lord. Just text them in. We want to celebrate with you. If you're here this morning and this is your day, and no longer going to stay away and you don't want anybody to know you need mercy, there's nothing to ever be ashamed of. And if you're up in a tree and you need to come down and say, Lord, I want your salvation, then just slip up your hand today and say, I say yes to Jesus as my Lord. Let me just recognize you as your hand goes up. And then I'll, we're going to celebrate. Ring a bell. We're happy. We're not, we're not trying to embarrass anybody. And I know it is a little embarrassing, but we're not doing it for that intention. But that part of you that feels embarrassed, that part needs to go down from the tree don't protect that part of you I say yes to Jesus as my Lord who wants to do that this morning slip up your hand okay go ahead just be bold I say yes to Jesus as my Lord you can you don't need to stand up you can sit right where you're, right where you're sitting you said it good on you God bless you God bless you let's ring the bell we celebrate that's powerful that's a big deal that's a big deal someone else I say yes to Jesus as my Lord he's passing by have mercy Jesus he loves to answer that cry. I'm gonna throw. They're not quite ready for Easter yet, so we're gonna do rattle one more time. Cause you guys need to better practice that, and and so I'll be more comfortable. Cause we're gonna have a lot of guests on Easter, and I don't want you to sound bad, okay? So I want you to. And and when we get to the rattle, we'll practice this because we're gonna. Not never mind that. We won't give that away. So, all right, just worship. <laughs>